to the August episode of the Waterlog Podcast. My name is Dan Janolfi. And I'm Howard Marla. Thanks again to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today for hosting us. Today we've got a few topics to talk about. We have a, a new Chief of Engineers coming in, Major General Scott Spellman. House passes Energy and Water Appropriations Bill. Uh, NOAA Coastal Resilience Fund. House also passes a Word of Bill. So let's go ahead and get started. So as I mentioned, there will be a, a new uh, Chief of Engineers, Major General Scott Spellman. Uh, change of command has been set for mid-September. Um, so that's exciting. I think Seminite's done an excellent job, and uh, it's just time for someone new to take over. What's the typical time period? Well, that... usually the chief changes every few years, six to eight years. Um, this, the Corps is a strange organization. It is a has two parts to it. Its bigger part is military work. Uh, think of George Washington on the battlefield. Literally, he commissioned a chief of engineers, and it's from that that the Corps of Engineers develops its progeny. It's, that's right. what it goes back to. So there's a military aspect to it, which is very important. Uh, Civil Works uh, is a, let's say, $7 billion uh, part of the, uh, the Corps of Engineers. And that's all the civil works um, functions of water resources. But it is a civilian agency that is within the Defense Department. Every field office, which we in the Corps they call districts, is headed by a commander who is a, a colonel or a lieutenant colonel. Every division headed by either a colonel or a general. And then you get up to headquarters where you have a general in charge. The problem is that you have a sub-agency of an agency that is part of the Department of Army, that is part of the Defense Department. And somewhere along the line, the Defense Department is a heck of a lot bigger than that $7 billion. Now, the point is not that, um, that we're in a bad place. What we are is in an unnoticeable place for whoever the Secretary of Defense is, and pretty much for the Secretary of the Army also. So what happens is that uh, every field office, the district offices, change every two to three years. The commanders of those change. And so you have a new person coming in. He or she may not be an engineer. No requirement that they be an engineer to head your local office. And what I'm saying is it doesn't make sense. We're going to have to get to the point where we free the Corps of Engineers to the point where it's an independent agency. I'm not looking to put it in the Department of Transportation, not looking in the Department of Commerce. Those are places where we will be absolutely smothered by uh, a bureaucracy of people who don't get anything done. They just they give out money. They do a lot of good things, but we're doing agency in the core. So I think they have to be made an independent agency of sorts. I think we have to get to the point where we are freeing the, the, uh, the core to get to that point, where they have civilian control, that they are responsible to Congress. I think that's very important. Um, Congress uh, used to be the one who actually oversaw the Corps until the 1980s, about 1980, and then they put in uh, an assistant secretary of the Army. Well, it's interesting because you think about how important our canals, our waterways, our dams are to our national security, to even energy. 
and you understand why the military might be important. When you look at what we particularly focus on being beach nourishment and, and coastal restoration and wetlands, and you don't see as much of a need for military leadership necessarily. No, you, you need the kind of thing, certainly where the military has shown, a great article in The Yorker, just Google it, folks, uh, on, uh, on, uh, on General Spellman, but his predecessor. Seminite. General Seminite. Uh, fantastic. Talked about all the things that he did in a can-do attitude to get uh, hospitals built and all of that. Fantastic. But the problem is that that is not what the Corps does day to day. What the Corps is doing day to day is managing water resource projects and be they ports and, or, or beaches or anything else. Day to day, the can-do attitude is not always quite there because it is an agency which is, you know, you, if you are a Corps of Engineers employee listening today, tell me when you last went to a, um, a training session for something that the Department of Army said was required for all Army employees that has nothing to do with your civil works function. Raise your hand. We can see a lot of hands going up there. There's a lot of things going on that I understand that bureaucracy has to do to control its employees and make sure that there are policies and programs in place. But what I'm saying is that it's important to look for coastal resilience, for making sure that, uh, that nature-based is implemented in the kind of extent that we're going to be talking about in a moment, to make sure that we have the kind of technical assistance that communities need and they don't need to have all of this procedure of, oh, we, if you want to raise your dunes, we've got to do a three-year study, and oh, you're a new start. Those kinds of things, we don't need them anymore. No. We have to free the core. We've got to be able to get it out from underneath all of that. So we hope in September, if that's not delayed by the pandemic or anything like that, we're looking forward to working with Major General Spellman uh, to revitalize the core and, and re-envision the future of coastal resilience. And I hope that they do. And I hope the General Spellman, who certainly has a lot of experience, He's a very good uh, officer. Comes from a good background. Definitely. Emergency management, um, you know, working with, with dozens of states. He's, he's worked with a lot of water he's projects. It's come up the process through the Corps, and anybody who reaches chief's position generally has that kind of vetting that it goes through. But we're dealing right now with a, Corps, uh, a headquarters for the Corps that seems to be slightly dysfunctional, and I'm being a little bit kind. There's things going on there that I don't understand, but we're clearly seeing uh, a lot of people who are wearing two hats, three hats, uh, because uh, expense money has been cut back by Congress, not paying attention, Congress, to the fact that you need to have people actually overseeing things there and not doing two or three jobs. A huge, even just turnover in, in leadership positions. In leadership positions and senior positions. Senior executive service positions. Turnovers, vacancies. Lack of morale. Yeah. I would say there's a demoralization, if that's the proper term, for what's going on in the court. So something is going on there. General Spellman has his hands fell in looking at that. I think the general also will be looking, hopefully, at a proposal that says we want to make a sense out of all of the court's coastal efforts. We have coastal efforts that are going on in about six different places within the Corps, six different major efforts that are going on. They have to be rationalized, brought together so that they're all pointing in one direction. Direction certainly that we'd like to see is what can we do in the Corps 
to help local communities and states become more resilient to storm sea level rise uh, and the kind of things that are 21st century needs and not 18th century needs. Right. We do have a little bit of additional money uh, in this year's Energy and Water Appropriations Bill, uh, which includes a record-breaking $7.36 billion uh, for the Corps of Engineers Civil Works Program, $1.7 billion above the President's request. Pretty good. Very good. Pretty good. Very good. Incidentally, I had a thought last night. Uh, I'm wondering how much of that boost is actually due to a, a boost in Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund money, which is actually being uh, freed and put into the budget. Uh, it's a longer discussion, I understand, but the fact of the matter is that one of the things that uh, the energy and water appropriators made clear is that they are meeting 90% of what they've been told to do in terms of getting Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund money actually put to use. To do that, you have to put it into the budget. It has to be crammed into the budget. That may have pushed up the number, Right. I wonder. Don't know. Right, and and uh, which I guess we'll just get to right now is is you know one of our pet peeves in WERDA, oh. the Water Resource Development Act. We're constantly. I mean, this isn't just one particular news source. This is industry wide, where mm -hmm. you know someone puts out a press release, 8.6 billion unlocked from the Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund. Yeah. No, that's not true. It means that there funds can be drawn from the Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund, but but say if only 7.63 billion is appropriated for the entire Civil Works program, that means you couldn't possibly take even exactly. more than 7.63 from, from the, uh, the Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund I'm not Trust saying that, we don't, that, the harbor, uh, that all of the ports in the Harbor Maintenance needs couldn't possibly use 8.6. I'm assuming that they could. The fact of the matter is that under our budget system, they can't get it because the Corps' appropriation bill, which is, incidentally, the Corps is a small part of the energy and water appropriations bill because it's energy. You could, I mean, just, just for our listeners, you could unlock $4 trillion, yes. but they're only allowed to spend the $7.63 billion that was formally appropriated through the appropriations exactly. bill. Because each committee has numbers set. So they said, okay, to energy and water appropriations uh, subcommittee, 7.63 is going to be your top number. You can do any way you want. You want to put it all into harbor maintenance? Do that, but that's not going to happen. Because you got uh, you got construction, you, investigation. You got a load of things Mississippi going on. Mississippi rivers and tributaries, everything. All of that. So you're absolutely right, and so therefore the news reports that you see saying 8.6 billion unlocked, no, it's it's not accurate because you start it, it, all of those were the um, news stories. We had one of our clients say. What happened? You know, well, you didn't hear. You didn't tell us about this. Where did we get our money? Is our 1.5 million in there? You know, no. There's a single dollar appropriated. You're being misled. In the Water Resource Development yeah. Appropriations Bill, authorization bill. It is an authorization bill. The difference between authorization and appropriations. Look it up on our website. It's the difference between night and day. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by. LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at LJA.com. Coastal Transplants. 
Coastal Transplants offers high-quality native and wetland plants, extensive agricultural and horticultural experience, and the skilled and respectful crews to get your project built. Make Coastal Transplants your one-stop solution for restoring the dune and wetland ecology of your home or barrier island. Learn more at CoastalTransplants.com. Dune Science Group. Did you know that fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world? That it is resistant to deterioration caused by UV light and salt water? Well, the Dune Science Group does. They offer a full slate of solutions for dune walkovers and boardwalks that are made of fiberglass and built to last. They handle your dune walkover project from beginning to end, including permitting, design, and construction of the strongest and most durable dune walkover on the market. Learn more at dunesciencegroup.com. And be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at coastalnewstoday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. So as far as the Harbor Maintenance Trust Fund, they're only getting a few billion. Yeah, I mean, it's... and they need more, but that's what they're getting, and they're getting more than they've gotten before. And, and in the terms of um, uh, the actual appropriations, um, in terms of what we count as Congress calls shore protection, uh, we're getting a middling amount mm-hmm. of the House bill. As I recall, about 120 some odd million. So, you know, it's it's not bad. It varies from year to year. We've gotten 150, but if you looked at it, folks, most of the Corps' money comes from disaster appropriations anyway. Right. We are funding our civil works through disaster, and right now we are. We've just had uh, Isaias pass through, and a lot of people have been hurt. A lot of you know this area. You know we we. We've been spared, but we know in Myrtle Beach lost an entire oh. section of, of, a, of a pier. I mean, Folks in, uh, in, in Caswell Beach, uh, a former area that we were involved in, uh, they got hit direct. They was, that was landfall in Caswell Beach. So what I'm saying is that people have been hurt, and there'll be a, uh, some sort of disaster appropriation bill for that, which will go to the Corps. Mm-hmm. So the Corps gets all these disaster appropriations, and... I mean, Congress is, is uh, a few smart members of Congress are yeah. poking their heads out saying, hey, we need to stop doing this. But, I mean, it's it's got to happen at, at some point where Congress gets together and says, hey, let's stop spending $17 billion on a supplemental when our civil works program is only $7 billion. If you thought about it again, I'll go back to the, the, the dune situation. If you want to raise dune height from, let's say, 6 feet to 9 feet in, in any given area, and of course, determine that nine feet is the optimal amount. Nice beach in front of it, but still the dunes there to break the water as it heads over that uh, beach berm. Uh, you have to go through a three-year study, $3 million, and a new start, which is only six or seven of those, seven in the House bill, that are allowed in the entire country for all kinds of projects. It's an extraordinary amount of procedure for... For something that is a pissant amount of money, actually, and will save, I don't know what the percentage is, but it will save three, four, five times well, even that our, in damages. Even what are considered back-of-the-envelope calculations now are costing $300,000. Yes, exactly. So, you I mean... I mean, it's, it's that kind of procedure not that we're in. And Congress has got its, itself in a position where they're willing to put out loads, and as you said, billions of dollars post-disaster. Not 
spend the money pre-disaster to reduce the, the amount of post-disaster assistance. What we're going to do about that, I have no idea, but, uh, you know, we're doing everything that we possibly can uh, to at least alert folks. And I think local communities have to be able to speak up here. You've got the power. You're the ones. And, and uh, because members of Congress are too busy trying to decide whether they ought to extend unemployment benefits to people who are out of work. Right. Well, fortunately, NOAA's Coastal Resilience Fund um, ha has been boosted uh, to 101, almost 102 million above its current year funding, um, which will ha help address congressional priorities uh, such as climate research, weather forecasting, uh, reduction of harmful algal blooms, which I believe are not as bad this year as they've been in previous no, years. That's what we've heard, yeah, from reports. They haven't been as bad this year, but they're definitely nasty. Yeah. When they come and we. We have a lot of research going on. It affects all areas, Great Lakes, uh, East Coast, Gulf Coast. I haven't heard them on the West Coast, but I don't doubt that they exist somewhere out there. So, you know, I, I think what we're looking for here is, is change. And, and uh, we also are, are want to alert folks to a, an issue that's come up. Um, there's a lot of projects that are coming up uh, for what I call their 50-year renewal. A federal beach project, beach nourishment project, has 50 years of federal participation. After that, the federal government ends its fiscal participation. What does that mean? The participation is in regular renourishment, periodic renourishment every few years. Some areas is every three years, some areas is every 10 years. Um, to get up to speed, we'll take an example, we can name it, our client in Tybee, Georgia, Tybee Island. Um, we're not going to be able to get renewed because we don't meet a benefit-cost ratio. A lot of the older projects were done with an emphasis on recreation. Which I want to point out is based on, on a, one particular software, which I'm not going to knock, but we're playing a game here to try and satisfy the conditions of the software that the core uses. Every, exactly. Everything the core does is by model. A model is exactly that. It is based upon it somebody's view of past experience put into a model saying that this is likely to be able to predict what will happen if we do this project and what we'll be able to get in terms of, let's say, benefits. You do models for uh, environmental, you do models for engineering, you do models for the economics. Well, yeah, we could knock BeachFX because BeachFX was created by a lot of smart people, but it doesn't, want, it doesn't apply to the West Coast period. So, Toss it out right there. Well, it, you know, one thing we know about all models is that they're wrong. <laughs> and again, this it's it's uh, Beach Effects is vetted. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's it's uh, it's a trusted source, but it's it's an opinion. Well, you take a look at this, and bottom line is Miami Beach, which is a federal beach nourishment project, that we were told months ago that using Beach Effects, you could not get a one-to-one -one benefit to cost ratio. For Miami Beach, which is just unity, which is which is allowed by law, but not oh, yeah, this OMB's is not the OMB level. Two point five to one. Two point five to one is what they require and benefits the cost uh, in order to put you in the budget. So, if you can't justify Miami Beach, and they are still working on this, so I don't know how they're going to come out. But what they're going to come out is by cutting down the amount of beach berm that exists, and that's the part that you and I go out. No, you surf out there, but I, so I'll leave it to me. 
I go out, I put my blanket out there and raise my hand for the margarita and, and uh, for the beach umbrella. And that's where my place is. They want to cut that down and narrow that down almost to the point of nothingness and put a 10, 16 foot uh, well, I call, I call it a sand seawall. Is really sand, what it is. Exactly. It's a vegetated sand seawall, and and dunes, dunes are incredible, and we know we know how effective they are. But the combination. When I read the National Science uh, uh, Committee report that was done on on this several years ago, the best thing they said that the beach can prevent damages to coastal communities, not just to the homes, but to the roads, to the sewer systems, and everything else, all the businesses that are there. Uh, is to have a wide berm and a strong dune system. Now, a lot of our uh, projects in the 19, well, 50s ago, 50 years ago, uh, were authorized without any dunes at all because they didn't realize the importance of dunes. <clears throat> Miami Beach was one of those. So they need dunes. They definitely need dunes. They also need to continue their federal fis fiscal participation in order to do that. They're going to have to have a narrow berm of a beach. But it's the most visited beach in, in the country, isn't it? It is. Most, not only the most visited beach in the more people visit uh, Miami Beach than do all of the national parks together, <clears throat> pandemic year or not. That's where they go. And it is the biggest attraction of uh, foreign tourists, tourists next to uh, Waikiki. And yet somehow we can't justify it. Somehow it cannot be justified. Now let's just take it away from Miami Beach and take it to whatever beach you want to. I don't know whether it's go up to, uh, well, Tybee Island. Uh, it is Georgia's beach. It's the only uh, really public beach outside of a park that exists in, in uh, Georgia. Let's go up the line to beaches that are in South Carolina. Let's go up the line to New Jersey. These are all beaches that are going to be affected by the same redoing formula that is going to say, no, you are going to have to narrow that beach down and build a seawall, a sand seawall. And that is not going to, that's not right. And if, if you're concerned about this, please get in touch with us if you're listening. And one other important, important uh, design consideration is that these projects have, are having their renourishment cycles readjusted, extended, in mm -hmm. almost every case, to nearly a decade or more. Yeah. Now tell me with a hurricane season that happens every single year that that's going to work to have a, a dredge coming back every 12, 14, 16 years. I don't, I don't think that that's going to work. No. We have a variety of things going on here which are, don't make sense. We have, uh, when we figure benefit and, uh, and cost calculations, our property values that uh, go up over a period of years are not going up as fast, anywhere near as fast as our dredging costs. Dredging costs are going up major because they have manpower, fuel, and equipment. You get that dredge mobilized is, what, two, three million dollars at least? Oh, at, at the, I mean, I always put it as percentage, 10 to 60 percent of the cost, but I mean, we're seeing, yeah, minimum two, three, four, five million. So, you know, then, then you factor that, how much has uh, your property values gone, gone up compared to uh, the cost of the last time the dredge came in? and you, you see a problem already. So we have a lot of things to deal with here, folks, but what's important is that local communities look out for this because the Corps is not going to be the one looking out. They're the ones who are running the model. They're doing their job of running the model. And if they say that your beach needs to be chopped, it's going to be chopped.
unless you say no. So speak up. Let us know if you have questions. We'll be happy to give you more information. That's all we got for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again to the American Shoreline Podcast Network and Coastal News Today. And we'll be back with you guys in September. Uh, Stay cool. Stay dry. And uh, stay healthy, please. (laughs) Stay healthy, please. Take care. Bye.